Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your god. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am your host and king of the boneheads, Ryan Howard, and joining me this evening, he is back for a second appearance the last time he was on. Uh, we were talking about the first product from Mystic Dragon, that being the uh, Mobius Deck of Wonders. This time, Mystic Dragon Games is a brand new product. We are in the last 24 hours of this Kickstarter campaign for Forged in Shadows Adventure, Forging Zeros into Heroes. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to Roland Bones, Michael Walker. Michael, how you doing tonight? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having, having me. No problem at all. Gotcha. Well, Michael's picture just got small on Zoom. What is going on? One second. Okay, there we go. Cool. Better now. All right. Cool. Well, uh, yeah. Smaller. Oh, sorry. What was that? Smaller, the smaller might be better for your viewers <laughs> for my face anyway. No, no. We want to see you. <laughs> Gotcha. Well, as we discussed, uh, you know, last time, obviously you guys were uh, talking about this uh, this Mobius deck of wonders, and that campaign ended up being, uh, you know, successfully funded. How did that end up going for you guys? Um, man, it it uh, it far exceeded our expectations. You know, it was our first project, and uh, um, we you know we got we were scheduled to fulfill. Uh, that February of uh, this February of this of this year, and uh, we're on pace start fulfillment, and then COVID hit and shut everything down, and um, that put us behind you know two three months um, trying to get you know shipping squared away because uh, most of the shipping panels were shut down, shipping costs were through the roof. They're still pretty high, um, but. Uh, we managed to find some workarounds and get the product to our backers, and uh, the response has been amazing. Uh, everyone's been really happy with the quality of the product and excited to use the Mobius Deck of Wonders in their games. Um, and so um, that was a that was a good a good feeling, you know, when you put your heart and soul into something, and you're not sure how it's going to be received. Um, and then, and then everyone, um, you know, just gives you positive vibes and, and, uh, that, so that was a good feeling of validation that what we, the concept we had in mind really, uh, resonated with, uh, gaming community. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, it's it's always cool to have a you know a product like the one that you guys had there. Uh, just something that a lot of people struggle with as GMs for all kinds of games is you know coming up with unique magic items that you know do cool things and are interesting to your players, and you know giving people another resource for that that uh, you know really is a good utility for any any dungeon master to have. Yes, and what ma- what makes the Moby's Deck of Wonders unique? Well, a couple things that make it unique is one, it doesn't have any rules written on the cards. And at first, you might think, "Oh, that's not a that's not a positive thing." Um, as, you know, I would like to have reference of the rules. But what it does is it allows you to, these cards now could be used indefinitely. Any gaming system, no matter what the rule system is, because as the game master. You control the rules. So without any rules printing on them, on the cards themselves, uh, really frees you up uh, your creativity, and you can reuse the cards. And, you know, like I said, it doesn't matter if you're playing 4th edition, 5th edition, Pathfinder. Um, you know, you're not, you're not uh, uh, shoehorned in. Um, you just use the rules that are printed on the cards. It, the, now, we did provide generic... Um, um, rules agnostic um, for each card in the deck as a as a like a fold out sheet, but the, the rules themselves aren't printed on the cards. So um, you know you can use these indefinitely. You know you're never gonna not be able to use them because they're outdated. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one thing that you know that awesome concept of just being able to use this with any system this is carried over into this new kickstarter because this adventure that you guys have here forged in shadows which currently is on kickstarter in the final 24-hour stretch here this is also compatible with uh any rpg system correct yes um, i mean it's it's probably more geared towards fantasy but certainly you could adapt it for, you know, um, other genres, but uh, it's written in a fantasy world and a uh, world that we're developing. Adventures um, takes place primarily in the city of Vakalder, which is a dwarf, an ancient dwarven city. And you can pop that city anywhere in your own world, or you can change the name and substitute it in a you know a Pathfinder um, world or um, you know Forgotten Realms, and uh, you could run it you know uh, with no problems. And uh, so um, yeah, so once you finish the adventure and you kind of tally up how your character fared without the adventure and trying to figure out what class are they're best suited for, you can then take that information and then convert it to whatever game system you want to continue on playing them to first level and and, on. Absolutely. Now, the tagline for this adventure is forging zeros into heroes. So, Michael, tell us a little bit about what this adventure actually does for uh, an an RPG uh, campaign that's, that's getting started. So... The, the, the idea here is, uh, you know, I've always been kind of fascinated with the idea of what, what was my character, um, 
like before they became a hero. Of course, we all, a lot of us come up with background stories, but it, it's it'd be nice to actually role play that background. And what was that pivotal moment that um, spurred them up the shovel from the farm and become an adventurer? I mean, adventure is a very dangerous lifestyle and most people and commoners, you know, avoid it uh, because they like to live. <laughs> um, and so, you know, what, what spurred them to become adventurer? So, um, so basically the Forge of Shadows, you start out, first you make a background of your character, just like you would any other game system. Uh, in this case, we've divided what I like to call, or what we're calling the um, ultimate character creation worksheet. And this is something I've actually been using in all my games for the last 25 years, and basically helps flesh out every little detail about your character, their background, its obligations, um, organizations they might be involved in, um, their family history, um, how they feel about thieving, how they feel about magic. So you have this all this all this documented. So it actually makes but once you're done with that, it makes it role playing that character a lot easier because once if you come across scenarios that might have been covered in your in this worksheet, you already know how your character is going to respond and react. And and likewise your GM is going to have a very intimate knowledge of your character as well. And they can help you know, tie in some of your background into the story, you know, moving forward. So you start out making a, you know, a background for your character. And then there's a chart of a hundred different career paths or um, commoner classes, um, you know, farmer, grave digger, city guardsman. Um, <clears throat> so you can either just pick one in the list, or if you just want to see what the fate rolls for it, you can roll and, and, and uh, let the dice choose for you. Um, and that commoner class will come with a set of skills that are, you know, if, if, you, pull, if you chose blacksmith, you know, you'll be skilled in blacksmith and maybe one or two other skills. And then you can um, choose a couple more other skills that can round out your character a little bit. And then there's a point by system for your stats. And if you're playing with, you know, races that have racial adjustments, you throw those in there you're ready to go. And then the whole adventure uses a very simple percentile dice system. So, you know, even for this is perfect for like new players that, uh, you know, you don't, you don't may be overwhelmed with a lot of rules or, you know, veteran players, um, they'll pick this up in no time at all. And so the entire adventure, you just use percentile dice, determine outcomes of tests, and the adventures is kind of set around your parties in uh, venturing through the city and, and some of the outskirts. And they're um, come across certain side quests that kind of challenge them. And uh, a lot of these are class-based. Um, you're, you know, fighter, um, cleric, uh, rogue. And so you have a tally sheet you keep track of all your successes and failures. And then by the end of the adventure, you kind of look at your, your, your sheet you've tallied up over the course of the adventure and he kind of gives you a, in some places, you know, more clear than others, but gives you an idea of what, what classes my character best suited for. 
um, instead of going in with the idea with a class already predetermined, this adventure forges uh, a path for you. Absolutely. I, I love that idea, and I love that this is something you've been doing for a long time and something – in fact, I'll go ahead and say it. If you can email me that sheet that you use – I don't know if I've asked for this before. I feel like you mentioned this um, at some point, and I might have asked you for it or you might have sent it. But if you can send me that sheet, I definitely want to start using that in my games – because something that sure. I something that kind of bothers me, maybe bothers is the wrong word, but something that I notice about RPGs, having one level of a class in any RPG setting should be extremely rare. The fact mm-hmm. that your characters, if you start at level one, the fact that your characters have any kind of advanced skill in anything gives them already a leg up on just your average commoner who in every setting has maybe one to two hit points, uh, a decent perception, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, so one thing uh, through testing, my wife, Kim, uh, and my uh, business partner, um, I, I ran her and some friends through this uh, as a play test. And uh, she randomly chose her her uh, the uh, commoner class for her character, which was uh, a grave digger. And she thought about it. She's like, "Do I want to be a grave digger?" You know. She's like, "No, I'm gonna stick with it." And uh, she went through the adventure, and um, you know, she had some pretty fantastic things that happened to her along the way, and she gained some uh, a, a, a very minor. Uh, supernatural ability uh, that was picked up during the quest and uh, and at the end of the adventure it was a very clear to her her path was either cleric or paladin and she felt more drawn to being a cleric so she wound up making a, a half out a half orc um, uh, cleric from, from a grave digger mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> and in fact uh, her character is on the third page. We uh, had our illustrator, Tatiana, draw up her before and after photo uh, picture. So um, it's, that's the thing that's really neat about it. And one thing she really appreciated was because you're commoners, you know, most, uh, you know, you have a, a very minor um, starting equipment and money. You may make, you may start it with by four copper. That's it. And so it, she really f- loved the fact that it really brought things back into more of a reality like, oh, shoot, I really need to be really um, frugal with my my three copper. And and it, uh, she really appreciated that you can just you can just go right into a, a combat situation and just without any worry. You know, <clears throat> there's planning has to be done. You know, you got to really make a conscious effort. Before you do anything, because you don't have any supernatural abilities or spells or, um, you know, heavy duty skills. And so uh, all the players that we've we tested this really enjoyed that part of it. Hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and and that's something that I've found interesting. Uh, there, there there have been a couple RPG systems recently that have kind of played around with this randomized uh, starting state kind of thing. Like you, your background is randomized. The the one that chiefly comes to mind right now is Zweihander. Zweihander, if you play according to the rules as Daniel wrote them out in Zweihander, you randomly roll for everything. So mm-hmm. you could end up being a one-legged prostitute, as Daniel said, his first character that he rolled up on on the table when he created it was. You could end up being <laughs> uh, like like my character that I rolled up the first time I opened up Zweihander. My character ended up being a doomsayer, which is you know one of those religious fanatics that whips themselves. I was like, what am right. I going to do with this? But as right. you as you move through the world and as your character, you know, experiences things, uh, you begin to see the path forward. And I, I like that you guys are doing this and creating this adventure designed to, you know, take these backgrounds and turn them into characters to, you know, move on into a a larger world, a larger adventure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's really get the most and the most fun out of this adventure is to go in with no preconceived class in mind just let the system roll the dice go through the adventure and um and see what happens at the end you know um of course you can um you know even from a character's point of view maybe you're a farmer and you're you aspire to be uh, you know um a wizard right but much like in real life, sometimes we're not exposed to the right situations or, and you actually find out he's, that I'm actually better suited as a fighter that, you know, even though in my mind, I really like to aspire to be a wizard one day, but I, I don't have the aptitude or the skills for that. So that's the neat part about this adventure is don't go in with any preconceived, at least yourself. It's okay if your character has preconceived um, you know, aspirations, but, as a player, try not to go in with any preconceived ideas of what class you want to play. Let, let the system do its job, and it'll, you'll have a lot more fun in the end. Yep, absolutely. And uh, just, again, because I know this kind of play, um, there's a certain kind of player that is very resistant to this kind of play. So I will say to... Uh, you know, if you want to call them min-maxers, power gamers, munchkins, whatever your term uh, that you prefer for that. Um, when it comes to stuff like this, just give it a try. That's that's what yeah. I will say. Just try it once. And any any good GM will say, if you don't like what comes up, I'll let you, you know, I'll let you try again. But just just give it a whirl. And, I mean, everyone, everyone who's tried this has had so much fun they actually didn't want to stop playing their characters they want to immediately keep playing them which is a great sign that means you know you're you're doing something right you know <laughs> and i i really feel like if if we'll give this a chance they'll really gonna enjoy it and you know i played with very experienced gamers but not very experienced gamers and they all enjoyed this uh um the, the experience of starting from zero and and building from there and uh it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun to run as well 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Mobius Spin uh, makes an appearance <laughs> as an NPC in the game, so uh, I'll leave it. I don't want to spoil any surprises, but mm-hmm. absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's a good point of transition because moving even beyond, you know, what happens at the table, what this sets for a, you know, an adventuring party moving forward. Um, you guys at Mystic Dragon are, uh, you know, building brick by brick your own mythology around your own your own kind of fantasy setting. How does Forged in Shadows uh, continue that development of kind of the the Mystic Dragon verse or the uh, the Mobius Spin uh, universe that you guys are are building upon? Yeah, thanks for asking about that. Yeah, so. The, the bulk of the venture, as I mentioned, starts in Valkaldor Citadel, which is the birthplace of Mobius Spin. So uh, there's an immediate tie in with Mobius and the Mobius Deck of Wonders. In fact, on the in the timeline of events, uh, this is pre-Mobius Deck of Wonders. Um, so this is before Mobius creates the Mobius Deck of Wonders. And um, we, and 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 this Fortune Shadows is is just the stepping stone. So we have plans in mind um, of taking you know this zero level concept and expanding to a whole um, epic adventure that involves um, Mobius Spin. Mm-hmm. The players can take those zero level characters, convert them to first level characters, and then. Uh, go on a grand quest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and for anyone unfamiliar with what uh, you guys have done so far, uh, Mobius Spin is your he he was your business partner's player character in that long running campaign you guys had. Is is that correct? Yes, you have a great memory, Ryan. Uh, yes, uh, Stephen Dudley. Um, so, in fact, that campaign is still ongoing. We've been playing for. They're part of four or five years now, not you know consistently. Um, uh, but uh, and uh, so that was um, yeah his character that we've built from you know, level one all up to, all the way up to level twenty. So over that stretch of time, and uh, and so he's the, he's the man behind the the legend of Mobius Spin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, also. Um, Kim, my wife and um, partner, uh, her character from that same campaign makes a cameo appearance that the NPCs will be interacting with as well. So that's a little bit hasn't been shared anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, real quick in chat, shout out to Gamertarians. Uh, just we'll, we'll discuss this a little bit at the end of the show because I want to give Michael the, the full time here. Uh, but I'll be appearing on their stream uh, tomorrow night. So we'll, more information on that as we end the show. But for anyone who, like I said, is brand new to the Mystic Dragons universe here, uh, Mobius Spin is the uh, the Elementster, if you will, of uh, of Mystic Dragons. He he is the linchpin around which all of this is built, and uh, it it's cool to see. 
it, it really warms my heart as someone who has a character who went from level one to level 20 and, uh, you know, is now trying to shoehorn that character into every single game that I run for every single uh, table that, that other people also feel that way and, and would like to, uh, you know, build universes around their, their player characters that they spent so much time uh with I, I i love that and i feel like everyone out there yeah. who's played a sufficient amount of rpgs also loves that and um you know i could be wrong here but um because i don't know every single uh universe or game system rpg but um you know at least you spoke of elementor and there's been other um keystone mage or wizard type characters through other game systems and genres and they're all human and uh, the best of my knowledge, there might be an elf in there, half elf in there, but to my knowledge, this is the first dwarf that uh, has kind of taken on that lead, uh, you know, uh, linchpin role um, that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. envelops the whole universe. <clears throat> Absolutely. And and that may say something about, you know, there there's always the... Uh, the stereotypes that different people take on in, in medieval fantasy. And for dwarfs, it always seems to be uh, you're the fighter or you're some kind of kind of faith-based character, either a paladin or a cleric, usually a cleric. Uh, so it's yep. it's cool right. to see. Right. Yeah, I, I love it when people, and again, this is another... I don't mean to dunk on min-maxers because I, I've done my fair share of optimizing myself. But it's always cool to see someone go for break away from the what's mechanically best for this character and think what would make a weird, interesting character. One of my players in a game that I was playing for a long time on Saturdays made a dwarven bard, which ended up being a very fun and interesting character. And so it's cool to see, you know, other players break the mold and then you guys run with the ball here and build a universe around this character that broke the mold. Yeah, I think uh, it's easy, you know, um, of course, if everyone at the table is min-maxing, you know, that could be a fun experience too. But, um, you know, this character was developed and um uh, you know and brought to life by this ultimate character creation worksheet that i've been (laughs) you know making my forcing my players to to do for every game for every character they make for my games and you know at first you're like oh my gosh just four pages but it's uh it doesn't really take that long to fill out unless you know you're struggling to figure out it really helps you flesh out everything. And and honestly, that's where Mobius Spin will spawn from, this character worksheet, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, what's going to be included in the adventure book as well. So, uh, it, 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 you know, it helps you think outside the box, outside of numbers, which, you know, when you're playing the game system, it's 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 easy to fall into that trap about stats and because, you, you know, you want your character to be successful, if you start with a background and don't worry about any of those things and just focus on what is a really neat concept for a character. And when you fill out the sheet and, you, and it prompts you on 
experience things that you may have not even thought of and it's it sparks an idea you know like oh the societies well i never thought about that oh yeah he's he's gonna be part of this um thieves guild or you know he's gonna be part of this um you know uh know other type of guild or you know organization or secret society and so then that spawns other ideas so that's one of the things that i really love about this worksheet is over the years i've just seen uh, even brand new players um, just create really neat characters that are character based and not stat based Mm -hmm. yep absolutely and, you know, there, there's always going to be someone at the table who just doesn't connect with, you know, that, that particular style of play. I've known my fair share of those players. As someone who gets very much in the head of their character, I often struggle uh, to GM for those players. But, again, th- this is the perfect opportunity to just try it and and see what happens and see what kind of bonds you forge with characters because as you pointed out when you go through this process when you get inside a character's head and really understand you know how they view the world great things happen and you end up with if nothing else incredible memories of the character that you embodied for a couple months, a year, a few years, 10 years, however long you end up playing a game. Um, but, you know, other things could come of this. You could end up writing a fantasy series like I'm trying to do or, you know, building yeah. an RPG universe like you guys are doing. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I still have that original uh, worksheet that Stephen made a Mobius spin with. And one of the things that one of the things that made him prompt was uh, the story behind how he came across the gavel, which is his weapon and his magical focus. And that, that's what's on this, this whole thing, because now a gavel is an actual magic item in the Mobius deck of wonders. And it's mm-hmm. a very, you know, it's pretty fantastical um, and iconic um, item. And uh, in fact, um, we made a 3D model of Motivia Spin, and we just unlocked the ST, STL file, so people back us can uh, download the ST, STD file, STL file, sorry, <laughs> uh, of, uh, of the Mobius, of Mobius, and he has this gavel uh, as part of the miniature, is, is in the miniature, so, and it's in the Mobius Deck of Wonders, so it's really cool how it's all kind of come together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, don't download any STD files. Uh, that yeah, that might not end no up... <laughs> yeah. Just STLs. STLs. And if you do have any STD files, uh, don't put any flash drives into your computer. <laughs> yeah, please. My 20 has already been uh, enough of a struggle. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need any computer STDs. Now that we've said that, something's going to happen. I just know it. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about what this does at the table we've talked about how it fits into the the world that you're in um without spoiling anything because obviously you want people who get this to not know the ending until they actually read it plot wise what are 
these commoners, these this ragtag bunch of zero-level characters, what situation are they finding themselves in? Well, um, so this, uh, this won't be giving out too much information, but the, the adventure starts very uh, uplifting, upbeat. There's a spring festival. There's carnival-like atmosphere. And, you know, people are enjoying themselves, enjoying the uh, – it's a crafters festival. So there's lots of crafters. You can um, you know, view their wares or purchase items. Or if you're a crafter yourself, you can s- sell your items. And there's, like, uh, games for kids. And, you know, it's just a fun uh, environment. And then uh, basically a portal – opens up and all hell is bro- uh, breaks loose, uh, at least for the, for the the party. And they find themselves uh, discovering this uh, archaic uh, message that was dropped. And and so the quest involves them almost like a scavenger hunt where they're trying to go throughout the city to cipher this code message and figure out what... Uh, where did this come from and what what's what how's it tie in with this fantastic event that just happened that probably changed their life forever and so and that that scavenger hunt type quest revolving around the secret message uh sends them off on these little mini quests to test their skills fighter you know cleric and and so forth so um and and then there's some uh, for, there's some uh, um, forced skill tests and stuff. So try our best to. Um, it doesn't touch on every single class. I think the only class, like the basic class list, that doesn't really uh, touch on is like bar- barbarian. Um, but I have some ideas still on that. Um, it's about 95% written, so there's still some leeway. Maybe we can try to find a way to tie the barbarian in there, but it covers most of the basic classes. And, uh, and so um, that's almost the gist of it. And then there's some pretty cool stuff that happens at the end mm-hmm. that I'll, I will reserve from going into much detail. Cause... Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, of the classes that are available in your typical fantasy RPG, the one that I feel like you're definitely born into and, you know, this is the path that your that your life has led you to pretty much the entire time would be probably the barbarian. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, primarily one of the reasons um, I'm certainly, there's probably exceptions to that rule, but you, you bring up a very valid point. It's one of those that it's usually like a, a situation where you're, you're raised in. You know, you were brought up in this, these traditions or in these ways. And uh, so it's a little harder to uh, make sense. But in a, in a short adventure, um, you know, this adventure takes place, depending on the size of the group and how long you play for it. But, you know, it could span three to four game sessions. It's hard to justify um, you know, the barbarian's path in that short amount of time. Uh, but certainly, you know, you, you could make exceptions, I guess. It depends on the situation and, and the GM. I know there's a lot of very creative GMs out there that probably take our material and make some adjustments and try to tie that in if they really wanted to. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, one question I have, we, we've talked a lot around how low-born, average common people end up becoming adventurers. One thing that I also find fascinating in a lot of RPGs is how do high-born uh, nobles, royalty, people who live a life of luxury end up deciding to forego all of that and become adventurers in their own right. Is that something that's addressed in, in this particular RPG? Is that a slant that you can take at at your zero-level character? Absolutely. You can start from a basically a skill... Uh, I wouldn't say skillless, but no um, trained skills like, you know... A, um, it's your average commoner that has no um, uh, crafting skills or, or such uh, to all the way up to a noble. Um, so, yeah, noble, just because they're a noble and they're rich doesn't mean they're all, they're all suited for life of adventure. So, yeah, if if you choose to take the uh, one, there's a couple of classes that are uh, in that noble or, you know, uh, high society type um fit the bill there and um you can uh definitely do that yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah because i mean one thing that i find fascinating about going from a noble background in rpgs uh it makes a lot of sense in in a certain twisted logic for a farmer or a butcher or you know a, a grave digger to think it's risky, but there's something else out there that I could push towards. There's something more than what I have here. It's, it's you know, kind of the, the bell from Beauty and the Beast type. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. But from the mm-hmm. perspective of a noble, someone who's had a lot of things handed to them, someone who's wealthy and well-off and wants for nothing, what makes that person decide to forego the comforts of their everyday life and, you know, pick up a sword or a wizard staff or a bow and rough it out in the wilderness where they could very easily get killed. And and so I'm glad that you guys have planned for that contingency as well. How does that character, as well as the lowborn character, how, how do they end up on the adventure path? And so I, I'm... It's, it's great to hear that that's something you guys have, have thought of. Well, a lot of that is, uh, again, going to be probably fleshed out in that worksheet, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably if, you know, um, yeah, I have a, a very cushy lifestyle. I, I, I don't want for anything. But maybe, you know, as you're filling, you're filling this out, you're like, yeah, man, I, I really don't have any excitement. You know, everything, it just, it's the doldrum of doing the same things, you know, going to parties or, you know, there's, um, so you can definitely flesh out that desire to, uh, you know, maybe they want to test their skills. Maybe, you know, they carry a sword around ceremonial all the time and, you know, maybe they'd like to put it to use someday. Um, so a lot of that will be you, know, you could flesh out during the character creation process. You can absolutely play a, a noble. Uh, you'll just have a set number of skills um, that, and you'll you'll obviously start out with more access to more funds, so uh, mm-hmm. than your average commoner. But you still go through the same process of developing your character through the adventure. Absolutely. Gotcha. So 
when it comes to the crowdfunding side of things, um, what was the last Kickstarter, the first one that you guys had worked on? Yeah, that was our first experience. Uh, we had a great mentor in March, uh, Hubert. Uh, he, he, does, he did the, uh, ice cream dice. Uh, those that, um, are familiar with him. He, he designed, uh, both sets of dice for that campaign mm-hmm. and he was a good, a great mentor and helped us, um, you know, steer the, navigate the, uh, all the, the traps of, you know, starting your first Kickstarter. Cause from, uh, from the outside looking in, it looks like, oh, it's probably not, not much into that. You just create something, make a page and that's it. Um, anyone who's done a Kickstarter knows that there's a tremendous amount of work that goes even before you even get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, that was our first Kickstarter. So we obviously learned a ton from that experience and um, applied it to uh, this Kickstarter and this was actually not even a, a planned Kickstarter. Um, you know, as I said, when we first, uh, this is a free PDF uh, adventure that we promised that the backers of the Mobius Deck of Wonders earned through a stretch goal that they unlocked. And it was originally just going to be a one-shot adventure. And, you know, we just don't like to do anything um, halfway, you know, or we don't want to phone it in. We could have easily wrote a, uh, you know, 10 page one, you know, uh, one shot adventure and call it a day. But when this is done, it's going to be 30, 40 pages full with um, full color art cut from front to the back, uh, dozens plus NPCs that are fleshed out with illustrations, items, magic items, you know, and, and a full fledged adventure. And on top of that, this unique experience of starting from zero level. So we really wanted to give them value. If they're going to get some free, um, you know, we'd like to give them some, uh, something that uh, they, they can sink their teeth in and be proud of and that we could be proud of. And so unfortunately we just didn't have enough funds from the first Kickstarter uh, from the pre-order sales or the printed book, printed version. So we launched this Kickstarter, raised enough, funds to cover the printing costs so we can get the cost down to print enough copies um, and we could uh, make it available for print uh, at a, a larger scale. And uh, from that, it kind of just, much like our other campaign, it kind of just blew up from there and we have tons of add-ons. And so if you missed the Mobius Deck of Wonders campaign, you can still, if you pledge even up as little as $5, you still have access to most of the things from the Mobius Deck of Wonders campaign, as well as the new stuff we have uh, in this one. Uh, it's a really beautiful dice tray box and dice roller box from uh, Alan and Claw, um, one-off custom dice bag, ours, um, uh, and, and uh, we have handmade dice that we never had before. We're, we recently were able to negotiate um, fit the theme of the, the fortune shadows. They're a beautiful, like mysterious looking purple and blacks. And then, uh, what else? And then we have the, 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 uh, the miniature of Mobius spin that you, you can download the SDL file and, uh, and then coins, we're gonna have some coins in this, uh, all, all backers now are getting a free collectible coin with Falk Calder city uh, 
uh, Citadel on the front. Um, so we're really excited about that as well. So we're trying to give everyone as much value as possible um, and still have enough money reserved to do the run for the Fortune Shadows. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, for anyone who is looking at getting on this, uh, just to let you guys know, uh, the project is currently fully funded. Uh, so right now it's just it's stretch goals to be unlocked. Uh, but there are really some some doozies here as far as uh, these these stretch goals go that are still to be unlocked. There's a PDF poster, uh, which is the next one that that would be unlocked. Um, you know, we're, we're yeah, looking that's... at. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I would say that's a that's going to be a really large scale poster that uh, you know you could take to your local printer. It's going to be like three feet by two feet, so it's a really beautiful illustration. Um, it's actually included into in the adventure as well. Uh, it's you know smaller format, obviously, but this is so you can have a nice big if you want to have it printed out in your game room. Um, so, mm-hmm. or you can use it as a background background for your computer screen, you know? So. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, there's more illustrations, potentially, uh, an STL file for the shadow creature, uh, which seems to be a, a pivotal player in, in this overall mystery that your characters are solving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. At, at, uh, 18,000, there's a larger print run available, another poster at 20,000, and then beyond that, you know, in, in the 24,000 range, an actual, uh, if, I, if I'm reading this correctly, an actual miniature for Mobius Spin. Mm-hmm. Yep. Miniatures you can, so if you don't have access to a 3D printer or, um, you know, or don't have one yourself, um, you know, um, that'll give us the funds we need to put down a deposit um, to have, you know, a run of miniatures made of Mobius. And then uh, beyond that, maybe even the shadow creature itself. Hmm. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to the shadow creature miniature, uh, without giving too much away about the story, uh, how how large is this miniature uh, as far as like what the STL file would be or what what it would end up being uh, size-wise when printed. So, uh, uh, so Mobius Spin is your standard like twenty-eight millimeter size uh, miniature, mm-hmm. which is you know medium size for D and D and Pathfinder games. They're medium sized creatures. Yep. The Shadow Creature is a lar- considered a large creature, so um, you'll scale that up maybe two two and a half times uh, mm-hmm. what Mobius Spin is. So. It would take up a, a inch by two inch area on a on a battle map. Mm-hmm. Just reaching for uh, an example, so the shadow creature would be something about you know like that that size probably, as compared to um, uh, like twenty eight. So I, I I'm sorry I misspoke. He's a large creature, so it still take up uh, a five foot square. He'd just be it would be tall. Gotcha. Gotcha. So again, for for anyone watching at home, that would be more akin to something like like this. I can't see what you're holding up. Unfortunately, it's a it's a like frost giant from uh, 
from Reaper miniatures. It's it's a it's still a five foot square, but it's a taller, larger miniature. Okay, yeah, that's perfect. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's all stuff that comes with the uh, the Kickstarter campaign. So as far as uh, you know, fulfillment. Obviously, this this ends up going out. Uh, you know, the the very end of Q1 2021, uh, around March, if everything goes according to plan. When will this product be available uh, on your marketplace or just for uh, for general availability uh, if, if things go according to your current plan? So um, we're, we're, we're kind of a stickler on this. Uh, you know, we did this with Mobius, even though we were everything was ready. We had stuff waiting at the warehouse. We could have put it on our website to sell for that three, four months. We didn't. We chose not to. Um, because we wanted our backers get the product in their hands first. I'm not speaking ill will towards other creators, but I a backer of projects and I walk into a game store and there's product on the shelf. I'm like, Hey, I haven't even got my copy yet. So we didn't want to do that. You know, we wanted the backers. I mean, they're the reason why we're here. They're the reason why this was funded. That's even exists. So. Uh, out of respect for them and, and appreciation for them. Um, Want to make sure that they got the product in their hands first. In fact, Mobius Deck of Wonders, just as of last week, is now available on our marketplace, on our website. Uh, we just want to make sure full fulfillment was done. Everyone had their copies. Everyone's happy. And and then we, we made it available. Um, and it's available in a few game stores as well. Those of you who live in Austin, Texas, um, there's the famous uh, Dragon's Lair games and comics store. They're carrying the Moby's Take of Wonders. Uh, it's in Canada. There's a few stores in Canada that are carrying them. Um, but so to answer your question about the Fortune Shadows, the same thing. Start to film it, hopefully in March. And then once we uh, fill all the backers and make sure everyone has their product and they're happy, then we'll make it available to masses. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and again, just speaking of the Mobius deck uh, and, and looking at the marketplace, not only can you buy the Deck of Wonders, but uh, you guys also have a couple options for uh, deck boxes to store your Mobius Deck of Wonders, which all look beautiful. Uh, they look like really good products yeah, here. Yeah, so they're fantastic. They're, 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 the pictures are nice. They're beautiful pictures, but they don't do the, the, the boxes justice. Uh, the, those were done by Dogmite Games. Um, and they were one to, to participate in this one too, but because of COVID, their fact they're uh, they're in Michigan and their factory shut down for two or three months, so they're backload with orders that they needed to take care of first. So, uh, but they're beautiful boxes, and we only have a few have handful uh, handful few of them left. Um, so there's two styles basically. There's the style that holds the deck as is. And there's a, a bigger box, a little taller, of those who want to put all your cards in sleeves, it'll fit 60 sleeved barrel-sized cards in there. And then uh, there's a one version without the felt or the uh, suede insert at the bottom, uh, and one without. So um, there's a couple options there. I think we're sold out on one of them, but um, yeah. Gotcha. And if you and and so um, we are offering the 
or the Kickstarter discounted price for the Moby's deck and the dice. Um, so um, if if you're not in a hurry to get your Moby's deck of wonders or your, your Mystic Storm or Dragon's Man of Dice, um, feel free to go to the marketplace and order there. Or if you if you rather have the discount and not in a hurry, you can back us on the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's. I'm glad that you guys are committed to you know making sure that your backers get their copies first because I, that's definitely something that ends up rubbing people the wrong way if if other people are able to get their hands on a thing uh, before backers, even if what they're getting is better than what people are able to get their hands on. So I, it's 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 definitely good to to hear that you guys are so committed to that particular aspect of crowdfunding and and it's it's just a good practice that i feel like all companies should be uh, participating in if they're going to be in this space right because you know without the backers you know this it wouldn't be possible so Mm -hmm. i feel like they're the ones who are taking the bulk of the risk and and putting their faith in us and, and and our product and our ideas and um, and without them, there w- this, the Mobius Deck of Wonders, you know, wouldn't be here. So I feel like we owe them that that amount of respect and, uh, and gratitude. At least make sure they have it in their hands first um, it, it, before we make it available to the masses. And you know, as a small company, you know, we're a small mom pop company. And it was tough. I mean, to go three or four months without any sales, <laughs> um, you know, during the COVID. Um, but you know, we felt that strongly about it. We felt that you know our backers needed to have it in their hands first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Gotcha. Well, guys, this campaign, uh, like we said, we, we're in the the final twenty seven hours as of right now. As I'm looking at this uh, this page. Um, and this will be on uh, YouTube and on Podcatchers tomorrow. So anyone who's listening to this after the fact or watching this after the fact, you still have time. You still have uh, 24 hours or less to get this product, back it on Kickstarter. It is fully funded. You will be receiving a product. Uh, but definitely support uh, what these guys are doing here. Uh, now, as we, uh, you know, cont- continue, you know, the show and, and continue talking about this, uh, if I remember correctly, you and your players, you guys are largely Pathfinder players. Is that correct? Yeah, primarily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've not been able to talk about this with anyone. I've never played Pathfinder personally, uh, but, you know, since it's come out, uh, between the time that you guys were last on the show and now, uh, have you been able to play Pathfinder Second Edition? And what are your thoughts on it? I'm real excited about it, and I'm I, I'm ashamed to say that I have not. Uh, I did play test it. Um, actually, Kim and I play tested it at uh, PAX U um, last December um, in Philadelphia, and uh, I you know it was just a short little one off you know, um, hour long session. So, um, but I got enough of a feel of it. I felt like it addressed a lot of the things about Pathfinder that I think most players and GMs, um, 
had issues with. So, I mean, I love Pathfinder, but man, when you get up in the higher level, especially as a, a GM, and you're trying to track all these pluses and minuses, even with using things like Hero Lab and stuff like that, uh, it's really hard to role play uh, in a combat situation um, bad guys and, and use them at, at their full abilities with all these different modifiers and uh, situational modifiers. It's just really easy to forget those things and uh, it's just too much crunch. And I feel like second edition, at least that very short period of time that I played it and just talking with other players um, kind of addressed that. And I think that's why fifth edition had such a big appeal a dd fifth edition is because it kind of went back less crunch and allowed more role playing you know um you know obviously you don't want your combat session the last 10 12 hours <laughs> you know you, you want it to you still have that combat experience but still leave a lot of time for interaction between the characters and npcs and the story um the, the combat at least in my view and I think in most people's view should uh, supplement um, the story, not up the entire um, game session. And sometimes, especially in higher level um, campaigns, Pathfinder 1.0 could be, be crunchy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've heard, I, I have friends who were playing a lot of Pathfinder before fifth edition came out and, and before I uh, you know, started playing with them. And the the way they describe it, you know, the 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 stereotype of it being called Math Finder, I can see where that comes from. Uh, really, that's a yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I yeah, mean, because you just oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was just say you just have a lot of situational modifiers. You know, I get plus two in this situation, I get minus in this, and I have a bonus in this situation, and. When you're trying to role play your character, your, your mind shouldn't be um, focused on all these other details, you know, and trying to remember all your. I mean, there's been several, several times in the game sessions where you're like, oh man, crap, I forgot I had a bus due to this, and it's hidden somewhere on your character sheet or in your lab. And, you know, um, so, yeah. It, I think something that's a little more, you know, sometimes uh, too simple of the rules uh, are, are are just that. They're just too simple, and then sometimes they're too complex. I've never played, like, games like Rollmaster or Palladium games, but um, I have friends who have. These are old-school games. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, in 12-hour uh, combat sessions, you know. <laughs> if, you're into the, if you're into that, you know, that if that's what you – it's fun for you, then – that's great, you know. Um, for me and, and my players, we like the role playing aspect as much as we do the combat, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's why that's one of the reasons why I continuously go back to fifth edition. Um, I feel like that balance is there. I know a lot of people who like their crunch feel like fifth edition is kind of samey and kind of. Uh, you know, light. Uh, but when it comes to, like you mentioned earlier, the popularity of RPGs and the ability, uh, you know, for new players to come in, I could teach fifth edition to an eight year old. Yep. And, and 
you know that that's something that that's a value that you you can't underestimate when it comes to RPGs because so many people uh back in the very early days before I was playing before I was born they got into RPGs as 8 9 10 11 year olds yeah and you know learn the game that way and so to have a system where you can more easily get younger people into the game or you know teach new people how to play without them feeling like they're doing math homework without them being overwhelmed by the infinite possibilities or the you know the crazy possibilities or even wrong paths that they could go down that end up giving them characters that aren't viable in certain situations that kind of stuff while i know some people like it for the majority of people, that's not going to be something that gets them to buy an RPG or gets them to stick with it. So I'm glad to hear that Pathfinder 2nd Edition has made some steps in that regard while still maintaining what makes Pathfinder unique. Yeah, I agree. And I think it was, I think, I don't know that they would have, and this is just my speculation, I don't know that they would have made that change because. I mean, they invest. They've invested, as um, you know, invested so much money in Pathfinder 1.0. It's mm. it really it took Fifth Edition, in my opinion, kind of snap them out and like, yeah, we really need to revamp this so that new players, because um, really that's the lifeblood of any any um, game system is getting influx. If you just have the same hundred people playing your your game and not growing your business is not going to grow either and if you make it set your game system such that new players are going to be turned off um i think that's why fifth edition just flew off the shelves you know because Mm -hmm. so many it introduced so many new players and i I think pazio realized um their error in in that and i'm glad that they did make the change um because uh you know this is all about inclusion and uh Introducing, I mean, there's no greater joy for me to introduce new players to the game system. My my eldest daughter, um, her her husband's Hungarian, and although he speaks English and understands English, there's you know there's a language gap there as far as words and understanding. But I, when they were here for Christmas last year, I ran them through fifth edition, and they were here for a week, and it's like. We live in the mountains in Colorado, so it's like, okay, you guys want to go to this mountain, or we got this hiking? No, we just keep playing fifth, uh, playing, uh, playing this game. It's like we stayed in for the entire week. They're <laughs> here instead of exploring the great outdoors. Um, they were just so um, into the game, and that's no greater joy for a GM than to have players that just dying. They'd rather play than do anything else and uh and you know fifth edition helps with that because like you said it's got just amount enough crunch that satisfies most players and gives options you know to have some durability it's not so overwhelming for, for new players um so and one thing i love about producing new players to role playing is they don't know all the stats of the monsters they don't know the best tech tactics kill a troll or you know just coming up on a skeleton 
is scary and they're like it's scary for them because they don't know what's going to happen and mm-hmm. that's how it should be right when your characters first level characters come across a horde of skeletons you should pause and go and maybe crap your pants a little bit even though you're heroes um and so i, I love that about new players because they don't they're not min maxing they don't not, they don't already know all the ways to defeat every creature you come across mm-hmm. oh it's just another goblin or it's just another oh, or to them this is a whole new experience and and so it's it's and it makes it fun for an old school uh em who's been doing it for 25 30 years too mm-hmm. yeah i mean i got i had a similar situation where i got my uh my, my little sister was dating a guy who was into D and so i conspired with him and my wife who i taught fifth edition to uh you know we're gonna run this game to introduce my little sister to role-playing and then as this unfolded over thanksgiving uh my older sister who also does not care about gaming wanted to get involved my dad wanted to get involved and my mom wanted to get involved and so i taught fifth edition to my parents and my sisters who up until this point could care less about any kind of RPG and they had a blast. That's awesome. That warms my heart. Isn't that a great feeling? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They, they loved I mean, it. I, I didn't convert anyone to being like a full on RPG fanatic. Like, like you are, like I am, but they had right. a good time for three hours. And you know what? And if it comes up in conversation or, you know, somewhere and they're, they're like, oh, yeah, I did that. You know, I experienced it. was a lot of fun. Um, you know, when I was growing up, there's uh, role playing was still kind of taboo, especially with D&D in, in the late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s, you know, with the whole Titanic thing. And then and then it wasn't cool to be a nerd or, or, or a gamer back then. Now celebrities are doing it and it's totally acceptable and cool it's 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 nice to be, be able to come out of the closet and just talk to <laughs> openly about it uh even out you're eating at a restaurant or you know in a bookstore or wherever at work um and you don't feel so self-conscious that you're being a speak uh put in a box as some weirdo uh nerd or something you know uh, it's really it's it's nice to see that it's more widely accepted and people appreciate it and you know that doesn't have the negative stick it that it used to have mm-hmm. yeah i mean like like right now i'm wearing a D sweatshirt that i bought from joe manganello's company that that that's how ubiquitous this hobby has become and uh you know it, it's great that you know we we have this kind of influence and and you we have things like stranger things that are getting people into rpgs and asking questions about you know what is this thing where people are rolling these dice and and you know writing things on these notepads and to tie it back into what we talked about in the beginning of the episode it's good that we have tools like what you guys are developing for these new players or for experienced players who are, you know, stuck in this one mode of play to rediscover 
what it means or to discover for the first time what it means to have a truly fleshed out meaningful character that they actually care about playing and that they can live in that headspace for you know three to five hours at a time Mm -hmm. once to twice a week yeah it's very therapeutic especially uh, um especially in times like this um to have some escapism and, and, and get away from reality for a while your brain needs uh needs that and and um i know for myself um i, I kind of have a yin yang brain where i'm i have a lot of technical things that I, I i like to do i'm good at math but i also i also need that creative aspect fulfilled too if i don't have that you know i need that balance and uh and and role-playing games tabletop role-playing games really help facilitate uh, escapism and just remove yourself from the outside world and just in, in enjoying time with your friends and your family, uh, having fun and just all your worries aside for a few hours. And uh, it's just, it, I, I've, we're actually uh, working with, uh, uh, we just don't, don't need some dice and some things to a organization that, uh, is doing that very same thing with uh, young children, um, you know, help them become more socially um, um, active and and come out of their shells. And role playing games really help. Is a great facilitator of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you know, you know, ideally everyone's working towards a common goal, so it really promotes teamwork and working together and and you know, using that creative. Um, uh, creative muscle in your brain um it, it's it's really a lot of fun i think people who don't haven't been exposed to it, i'm sure there's still hundreds of thousands of millions of people out there if they'd only be exposed to it in the right way with the right people it would probably there are probably even more tabletop gamers out there because it's just a you know just a really fun experience you know and and so and that's one of the things I really enjoy about this is getting new players involved. In fact, Forge of Shadows is perfect for that because it's a very simplified system. You don't start out with tons of skills and abilities and spells and all this stuff. It's very simplified, but you still have a really solid character, character background, backstory, and that you can easily role play, you know, and uh, have fun. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about, having fun. Absolutely. Uh, my, my, my advice to every DM out there, you know, uh, is have fun first. You know, if a rule is causing contention in the group or, you know, none of that stuff matters. It's just a matter of having fun, everyone enjoying themselves. And, uh, yeah, it makes it a, um, a better experience for everyone if, if everyone's having fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. So, guys, uh, you know, we, we're last 24 hours of this campaign. Uh, you still have time to back it. You still have time to, you know, get get your pledge in and make sure that you're, you know, not missing out on any of these uh, Kickstarter goodies. Uh, a- as we do at the end of all of these shows, obviously we have this campaign, uh, but... Michael, I just want to turn it over to you uh, for for these last few minutes to talk about anything you want to promote. Uh, you know, 
obviously the campaigns here, but anything else you want to shout out, uh, go for it. It is uh, your time to do so. Uh, well, first of all, I just want to thank you for your time and, uh, and, and an extension uh, of our team, my wife, Kim. Uh, appreciate all of you. Uh, appreciate you, Ryan, having platforms like this for independent uh, producers, gamers to uh, help promote their products. Um, and I, I did want to highlight um, one thing that's really important to us is, uh, so in our previous Kickstarter in the Moby Stick of Wonders campaign, uh, a lot of Kickstarter or uh, managers have a jar um, that you can, you know, go on a tip the the creators. But we chose to uh, change that jar into a collection for the Extra Life for Kids campaign, and, uh, and then we 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 matched the funds that we people the backers contributed to that, and we donated to uh, the charity board gamer Chris Goodlett. And, and helping ch children um, in need um, through gaming. So um, Extra Life Kids is all about having fun, getting friends together, gaming, and, and raising money to help children uh, and their families in need. Um, so if you have a, a permanently ill child or just a, a child that needs extra care, hospital stay, a lot of times, you know, your insurance covers, or, you know, most of the, the medical costs, it doesn't cost cover the cost of the families driving hours back and forth in the hospital or, or, or the hotel stays or missing time at work. And the Extra Life for Kids campaign uh, does that. It helps so that these families, uh, they already have enough on their plate that they can just focus on their child that needs help. And so that's something that is really near and dear to our hearts. And so we'll be doing the same thing for the Forge and Shadows Um start a pledge manager instead of having a jar we'll collect funds and donate it to extra life for kids mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely well guys uh that is gonna do it for tonight's episode of rolling bones um this will be up uh you know for for anyone who is audio exclusive or you know you you watch on youtube uh you'll notice you'll be hearing this a day earlier that's so that you can get in on you know at, at the 11th hour at the very last minute of this campaign and help us uh you know push this over the top and and really uh unlock some of these final stretch goals here um just to let you guys know what's coming up here on the channel this week uh, this Saturday, I'll be reviewing Andrew Kolb's Neverland setting. We talked to him last week about it. I'm going to be looking at it and uh, giving my full thoughts and opinions on what Andrew has there. And, of course, this Tuesday, as I mentioned, tomorrow as we are doing the stream. Uh, as you guys know, you've heard me talk about it with uh, the guys from Project Full Blade a little bit. I am, of course, one of those crazy libertarians, and I will uh, be happy to join tomorrow some of my fellow crazy libertarians in playing some Jackbox. Uh, so I will be on the Gamertarians Twitch channel, uh, which you can find at twitch.tv slash Gamertarians. Uh, whether or not you are a member of the Liberty Movement, uh, you know, if you identify as a libertarian or not if you just want to see me be a goofball on jackbox and maybe hear a little bit about where my head is politically 
that'll definitely be an opportunity for you. We've been trying to make this happen for a while now, uh, but I will finally be joining Prax and Rez on Gamertarians. That is tomorrow night at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. I hope you guys will join. Uh, I'll be putting out all kinds of social media blasts about both this project, Forged in Shadows, and Gamertarians, my appearance on there. I hope you guys will join us because I'm excited for all of this. And I hope you'll join us for Danishes and Dragons on Saturday, where we'll be looking at Neverland 5e by Andrew Kolb. So until next time, guys, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I'll see you next time.